Kopitar looking for a target. It's Dustin Brown who's wearing the A on his sweater in lieu of Jeff Carter. Centering pass, Kopitar score! That might have been tipped in front, but Kopitar got the shot. You're listening to All the King's Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. Ayafala stays with the play, gets to the puck. Well done by the rookie. Brown centering, they score! It's the captain, Andre Kopitar. And the now, have here's a- your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. 6-0-1, you guys. 6-0-1. Lowest goals per game. Third highest goals scored per game. The top penalty kill. Andre Kopitar has six goals in seven games. It took him 44 games to reach that number last season. Look, this is where all the stat heads will jump in and start talking about sample size and sustainability. And Kings fans, they're right. Uh, they're right. The Kings are not going to go 70-0-12 on the season. And Kopitar is not going to finish with 70 goals. But whether it's puck luck or strength of schedule or just a flirtatious whim of the hockey gods' fantasy, I am really enjoying this stretch of hockey that the Kings are putting together. Uh, They've still got five games left on this road trip, and they're still playing without Jeff Carter, so obviously we expect some tough contests in the near future. But given how much anticipation I think we all put into this season, it's nice to be rewarded, at least for a little while. It is Monday morning, so I'm joined by my best hockey buddy, the Royal Half. But this week, we're also joined by Jack A. Wilson from Fox Sports West, senior producer of LA Kings Weekly. We're going to talk about the resurgence of Dustin Brown, how the coaching change might have spurred this hot start, and preview this week's LA Kings Weekly. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify Premium, Google Play, any place you can find podcasts, iOS, Android, and even Linux. For you Linux users out there, I see the numbers. I know you're out there. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. Joining me now, the Royal Half. How are you doing today, the Half? I'm doing well, Jesse. And, you know, nostalgia is still hot in Hollywood. The Dodgers are in the World Series, and the LA Kings are scoring goal after goal after goal, Gretzky style. And from Fox Sports West, Jack A. Wilson. How are you doing today, Jack? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm just happy living in the Adrian Kempe era. <laughs> the, the, or the Kemp era. Kemp era, I believe. There I believe you, you coined that, right? The Kemp I era? did. I did. Uh, trademark uh, copyright. It, uh, it rolls off the tongue. <laughs> so, so trippingly. Uh, the half, I want to ask you the first uh, big question, then we'll get Jack's thoughts. Um, to what do we attribute the sudden resurgence of Dustin Brown's offense? Uh, the firing of um, Daryl Sutter. Is it that? But is it that simple? I, I, I mean, I, Drew Doughty pretty much said so to Lisa Dillon in an interview he did with NHL.com. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but but he basically talked about the relaxed atmosphere that you enjoy coming to work. <laughs> uh, look, I, I I come here to praise Daryl Sutter, not to bury him. I, I think he was the perfect fit for this this team at the perfect time. But it it seems like it's a much relaxed atmosphere and and you hear all these these phrases over the season how john stevens is a player's coach and and has a much different approach than sutter and i think we're seeing it at the start of the season you know what happens when this team starts slumping and there needs to be accountability i think that is the biggest question facing this team right now but i, I mean I, I don't think there's anything else you can point to i mean yes the, the offensive system is much different and and, and jim fox did a great job Last game, um, uh, Saturday night, kind of breaking that down about the differences with the Kings. But 
I, I think it's it is as easy. Uh, or it's those new jerseys that are 19% lighter <laughs> and and have Crest technology on them. I mean, I, I, I tweeted this out on Saturday, but guys, are, are we missing the most obvious reason for why the Kings are playing better? The new jerseys? <laughs> Jack, do you uh, concur with the half's assessment? So, so before we get into all of the uh, great things that are happening in the Kings season so far this year, not to sound like Mike Milbury here, but... <laughs> We have to at least attribute it to the strength of schedule, right? Like, we have to at least acknowledge that. But having said that, that's fine. Like, that's this is the, the thing that we would get frustrated in the, the disappointing Kings years that um, they weren't uh, they weren't putting away teams they should easily beat. And we've got to go further down the list of things, the individual player performances. They're playing goalies and teams that you know the, the guy that you would hope your top line would have nice performances against and as far as uh, the royal had uh, the point which i mean that's like the most la frame of mentality ever like he's already <laughs> he's like his rollover on daryl sutter but i mean okay so so I, I don't know if if i would want to attribute it to oh daryl sutter's got some new fresh breath there blah blah I think you see this situation in sports all the time where a a successful team, a, a team that's built well, that's talented top to bottom, at a certain point, you just kind of become the same approach every year over and over again. At a certain point, guys just kind of to tune out everything and kind of maybe things start to kind of become going through the motions or whatever it is. And I just think kind of a reset of the whole mentality is more important than maybe necessarily coaches. I John Stevens obviously has been able to bring some things that have opened it up offensively and he deserves a lot of credit for the early success here. But I think it's in general, I think I feel like we see this a lot in sports where a team that has some success but, you know, has a very teams are a very specific style of play. And uh I can see how maybe players sometimes would get bored in the style of play. No, I I actually agree a lot with what Jack is saying. I mean, and look, let's be honest, Jack. This is Hollywood, right? If a movie fails, the head of the studio gets the blame, and then everyone talks about, "Oh, it's so great! It's a new head of the studio." So, but, but, like, this is a team that we made joke that I made <laughs> isn't mid-April yet joke about, which horribly backfired on me. We we thought this was a team that needed constant motivation. We this is a team that had to be out of the playoffs in February in order to make the playoffs, and and so you know why. Why would it it be playing as well as it is with this with this new motivation? But I, I want to go back to what I, I said at the start of the podcast. Again, this is a quote from Drew Doughty. This is not the royal half making a Photoshop fake quote like we used to do on, on, on Twitter. A lot of it had to do with why we weren't very good last year. And we finally made that coaching change. Now, everyone, the life in the room is just up there. It's so much fun coming to the rink every single morning. We're excited to get there. Whereas maybe in past few years, it was almost like, do I have to go to the rink again? Do you know what I mean? When you're not having fun playing hockey, you're not going to play that well, especially myself. So, yes, that is straight from assistant captain Drew Doughty's lips. It's it's like the it's like the Royal Half said, like if the guy who makes the first Avengers movie makes a, a lame <laughs> second movie, they bring in someone else for the third movie, right? No matter how good that first one was. 
I give you specific names and references, but I'm not a nerd, so I can't do that. Jesse will pick it up from there. Joss Whedon made the second one, and the Russo brothers are coming into the third. Never seen it. Never seen it. I knew you'd be able to pick me up there. Um, (laughs) But but like I I think there is something to be said again, like to put all the 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 change in atmosphere all on the change in one position, the head coach. I think is over an oversimplification, but. There could be something to the fact that Terry Murray was the right coach at the right time for this team. And when that kind of that philosophy kind of ran its course or at least took it this team as far as it could, Daryl Sutter came in and he was the right coach at the right time. Now, for you know, I think it, it may maybe the Kings now have, have made the exact right change at the exact right time with John Stevens. Hopefully that's the case. <laughs> I guess we'll find out and see, but it, it could be Again, like it's a it's a, a whole variety of things, but there's definitely there could be something to that that the Royal have saying there. Well, I want to give credit to Dustin Brown too, though. Um, I use no, no, it's strictly Daryl Sutter. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with. It. <laughs> I used this analogy, I think, on a previous podcast, and you guys jump in and tell me if I'm crazy. But when you're a kid, your parents tell you clean up your room, brush your teeth, do all these boring maintenance things that you hate doing, but you do them. But then as you begin to go a little bit older you know, in your teens, late teens, you begin to, you know, your room starts to get a little messy, you start rolling your eyes at your parents, and you say, I'm not going to, I don't want to do that, this is stupid, I'm not going to make my bed. But once you move out and become an adult, you find that you take up those chores willingly, happily, gladly, because you understand it's, really? in, your own, it's in your own best interest. <laughs> Jesse, saying, when's the last time you washed your sheets? Right now, when's the last time you washed your sheets? It was a sheets? week ago. <laughs> All right. I, I wait. Yeah, I, th- I thought you were going a different direction. I no, no. You and look, say, I like, went out and bought just... myself two closet organizers and a bathroom organizer because I'm an adult and I like tidiness and neatness and knowing where things are. My point is, Dustin Brown <laughs> is playing a game that is much better suited to his skill set this season, I think, than maybe in previous seasons. And there has been uh, some documentation in the past about disagreements between previous coaching staffs and Dustin Brown as to how the game should be played. We all know the rumors about him possibly getting traded during the 2012 season. And I think you see him playing a role with Andre Kopitar this season. He's going into the boards, he's winning puck battles, and he's playing in front of the net way more than he used to. Can I can I ask how much you guys think you would... So, I think going in the last couple seasons, there was a lot of talk during camps about you know, um, getting some of the young guys looks in the lineup and giving them a real chance to, and, and getting faster and opening things up. And, and then, you know, opening night would come and we'd see a very similar lineup that we're used to what we were used to. And part of, you know, I think you could say maybe guys weren't ready in the last couple of years. Some of the guys that have been in the lineup, these early games here. So it's not fair to say, well, finally they're putting these kids in, but do you, how much do you think, that's a factor here and and the fact that we are seeing some new faces and maybe some fresher energy adding to a new voice well i'll answer that i mean again there's no way daryl sutter would have gone with this lineup in seven consecutive Wait, games hold on, the season. alex i follow on the top line you're saying it was, was a surprise I, listen listen forget it alex i follow staying on the top line for seven straight games is the least of it going with an all rookie third line like like keeping auger in there two consecutive game i mean like leaving Folin and vandenberg in like like there is no way there's no way we this team would have made it to game seven with with keeping pretty much the same lineup uh, um, intact. So uh, again, yes, 
patience, trust. Um, again, Stevens is a much different type of coach um, in many ways, not just personality-wise and Sutter. But yeah, I, I think you're you're absolutely right, Jack. And it's finally to have great to have somebody on this podcast that actually has great hockey knowledge and information on it on the other side of the microphone. But but it, it, it yes. It, it, Having faith in the young rookies, because you're right, we heard that story. Oh, this is Tyler Toffoli's year. Uh, the t- coach totally has faith in him. Toffoli plays six games and gets set down. You know, like it's just <laughs> it, it, we're we're seeing it much differently. And and hopefully we will see players like Kempe and 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 Iafalo and even Auger like mature as the season goes on because of the faith their coach had in them. Well, and I don't think there's any coincidence that Brown and Kovacar both have 11 points and Iafalo has three. And that's not a knock on Iafalo. But I think it sure sounds like it. No, not at all. <laughs> it, the point is, the point is, you have to know your role, right? And so Iafalo is not a puck hog. He's not there to to rack up his own personal points. He's there to facilitate two veteran players who have chemistry and are performing well. So maybe later in the season he'll try and chip in. But I I basically agree with what Jack saying, which is yeah, you put a support player with a star player, and 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 if he supports and and. And can again can go into the boards and can chase down loose pucks. That's, that's what you need. It's that, rare that you see a line of three superstars just superstarring out together. That that's a really good point that Jesse's making there, and I, I actually it makes me want to go back. I want to go back and look at every tweet from John Rosen um, describing an Andre Kopitar Justin Brown goal from this year. And I swear to God, I think almost all of them. The first sentence is, "I have followed with good speed into the zone." Like it's how every every, every description right. of a, a Kopitar Brown goal I think starts with that sentence on John Rosen's Twitter feed, and it's even when he doesn't touch the puck, it's it's the it's the creating space and drawing attention with his speed that's probably freeing up the space. I, I look, I'm not a hockey analyst here. I'm I I'm not the expert here, but it's quite I obvious. Imagine, I would imagine, <laughs> yeah, but. They, that that's that has something to do with Dustin Brown all of a sudden having a little space in front of the net to play the game that's more well suited to him, right? Yeah, and he look he used to take a lot of uh, flack for for you know for example people would call him Stonehands and things like that, and I would always argue that he actually when he has the opportunity has uh, an amazing passing ability, and we saw it on that Kopitar goal last night. Um, where he sent it from the the half wall all the way to the far side of the net for Kopitar to to one one handedly tap it in. Yeah, I mean, no, I I, I agree. I I also will say again, I'm I'm not trying to disparage Justin Brown. The Blue Jackets decided to not put anyone on Andre Kopitar on both those goals. <laughs> like Kopitar was like the most wide open I've ever seen a human being in hockey on those Ooh. on those two goals. Well, again, that goes back to my first point, which is we don't want to, we don't need to go as far as Mike Milbury and Jeremy Roenick, who seem to just be lazy and not actually <laughs> watching these games and just kind of rereading their notes from last season in October of analyzing the Kings. But um, yeah, there, there is, we have to get kind of like everything with a grain of salt given the strength of schedule thus far. That being said, this is what the Kings need to be doing, especially with trying to integrate young guys in a lineup is yeah. take advantage of weaker opponents. Well, and you know, I, sorry, go ahead. There. I, I was just going to say, like to circle back to Dustin Brown. And we've talked about this on this podcast before, like as fans, we think these guys are infallible, right? We think they're supermen. We think they're, they're, they're nothing wrong with them. They're these superior athletes, but like psychologically, 
it can wear on you. Like I've had bad bosses before. I've I have been driving. You've been to work. a bad boss. Before. I've been a bad boss. I am I am currently a bad boss. I, I've I've I I've hated work so much that like I've been driving to work and I'm like, well, you know what? If I just hit that like fire like like that light post, like I'll get hurt enough <laughs> to not have to go to work today. Wow. But yeah, no, I'm saying so like like not enjoying the drive to work like like Dowdy mentioned very clearly in his comments to <laughs> to the the league's own media um that that can wear on a person and and we might just be looking at a, a happy forget about healthy forget about best physical shape of his career we might be seeing Dustin Brown in the best mental shape of his career and that that could have been the 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 psychological piano on his back that he's gotten off he did i can't just remember to- Go ahead, Jack. I was just going to say he's a typical blogger there. He's trying to oversimplify to his narrative, but that's fine. <laughs> I, I don't remember who got the quote, so I apologize if I missed a tributing. It might have been Roseman, but there was a quote from Dustin Brown about taking the game home with him every night and, and it weighing on him and you know not even enjoying his personal life. But Jack, I want to address the, the issue about um, who they've played because uh, – Teams like Calgary and San Jose, while they may be having somewhat disappointing seasons at the moment, I think I don't think anybody would argue that San Jose is a bad team. Um, and Montreal won the. I would. I would. <laughs> I, would. I, I could make a strong case thus far, but okay. I but I mean, Montreal won the division last year, and they they're hanging five, six goals on some of these teams um, without Jeff Carter, uh, which will then allow us to transition onto the next topic, which is the half. How long can they keep this up without Jeff Carter? Um, like Jack said, what, what's the uh, strength of schedule coming coming up? <laughs> well, they have this road trip here. This, this is actually a really kind of crucial couple of weeks coming up here. They have this not long road trip, but a medium sized road trip. Probably until they play the Vegas Golden Knights, and then it'll all fall apart. No, I mean, look, they've machine. got look, they've got Monday Toronto. That you want to talk about an offensive team, right? Mm-hmm. That's the, the, uh, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. And then they got back to back with Ottawa. Ottawa is a surprise team who just beat t- Toronto on Saturday night. Uh, they got a gimme in Montreal, right? Cause that team sucks. We're all in agreement on that. And then, you know, Boston and St. Louis. So yeah, this is, this is a, a, a perfect timing for a, a difficult, uh, road trip early in the season for sure. Can, can I bring up one thing that I, I we uh, we mentioned in our LA Kings Insider show, the China Games, which is still available on Fox Sports' YouTube channel, and uh, we also got into it in this week, this past week's Kings Weekly, uh, airing every Thursday night on Fox Sports West. That um, when you're bringing, not necessarily, they didn't obviously make a lot of acquisitions or signings during this off season, but working so many young guys into the lineup, a lot of um, a lot, you know, a lot of athletes will talk about that first road trip of the season is so crucial, just as far as the team forming their identity. I know that there were a lot of years um, in the past that the Ducks, for example, started on the road, and they preferred to start on the road when making the schedule because it would uh, it allowed the team to form an identity or, or to bond early in the season. Um, and I, they're not. This is an example. There are a lot of teams that do that prefer that and i'm just wondering do you guys think that trip to china as much of a concern as it was for you know you would worry that coming at the beginning of the of the training camp that that could kind of disrupt the schedule or preparation for the season 
maybe there was a flip side or reverse effect here that a team with all these new young guys was able to kind of gel and form an identity in a time that they wouldn't normally have an opportunity to that early. Well, we talked, oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We talked uh, during that trip, Jack, when you were overseas, um, the half pointed out, I think it was four years in a row that the Stanley Cup winner played uh, their preseason in Europe. Um, yeah? Yeah, so, I mean, these trips absolutely do, uh, or can at least, Andre Kopitar made that exact reference and within our show. Hey, thanks for watching, by the way, guys. But Andre <laughs> Kopitar referenced that exact thing about the 2012 and the trip to Europe and it being the exact same length of, of time that they were gone together. And the fact that when you're on those trips, especially in a foreign country, you're together 24-7 because you can't go home. You can't even go back. to. I mean, you can go back to your hotel room, but the guys are more enticed to get out and about and explore together because you're in a foreign country you'll probably you know you've never been to before so yeah that's i, I was just wondering if you guys how much how much weight you could actually put into that because that, that sounds nice and and that there, maybe there's something to it but that that would be interesting if that's how kind of how this plays out well, no look, and we we appreciate you listening to the podcast because we had that exact <laughs> same discussion two episodes oh, no i don't listen to the podcast <laughs> well what gave you that impression uh, but jack i think you're right about identity because um you know the half mentioned toronto as a high scoring offense um toronto tops in the league uh in goals four at 4.63 the king's third in right now in goals per game and uh king's first in goals against so i mean this team is not lost any of its defensive responsibility, any of its um, defensive identity, other than the Columbus game, right? They were clicking along with, I don't know, like 1.43 or something like that goals against. Um, so, yeah, I think it's entirely possible that, that given that trip and given that extra time, you know, maybe they were able to take guys like Foline and Fanberg and, and Kempe and Ayafalo and more effectively roll them into that team identity, those roles, et cetera. Because, I mean, whether or not they've played anybody good, this team is playing exactly, I think, the way that the coaching staff talked about wanting them to play all summer long. They're going to the net. They're activating defensemen. Drew Doughty's jumping up into the play. And they don't seem to be suffering at all uh, on the defensive end. Now, as we said, without Carter, <laughs> we'll see how long that goes. <laughs> uh, the half, what did you think? Why? They've... They've got Trevor Lewis. Who needs Jeff Carter? Oh my God! I can't believe I just said that. That's a total. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's turn to Jack to handle this next question. Then uh, Jack, uh, noted president of the Trevor Lewis uh, Historical oh, Archive Society. Hold on. I, I can't. You can't. You can't. Like, the disrespect Shanze Kopitar that way. She moved to Salt Lake City to be closer to the fair enough the the Trevor Lewis mecca. So so please do not disrespect her that way. All right, uh, and I feel like I feel like I feel like Jack's like Jack just respects a great hockey player. It's not like yes. he's got some sort of fan, you know, like Eminem Stan esque exception. Yes. I also <laughs> you know, love, obsession. I also love I also love Kyle Clifford uh, and and players of that. Kind. I I like grit, Jesse, and uh, I just feel that Trevor Lewis really a pit. Well, I think I sent a, a message in our our group text the other day when uh, everyone was watching the Dodger game. Uh, that I believe Chris Taylor, uh, his Trevor Lewis factor is really off the charts these playoffs. So I just I respect players of that caliber. Is that a, is that a Dodger player? Okay, <laughs> all right, Jesse. <laughs> so Jack, is is it as simple as adding Trevor Lewis to the Adrian Kempe line to, to unlock that line's offense? 
Um, I I think we are seeing another example of, and hey, you know, like like we said, the the royal half is ready to turn on uh, Daryl Sutter at the first. Uh, it's like it's it, it, again, it is a very L.A. thing. Dar, Dar, uh, the royal half has had this like this beautiful wife who won him two Stanley Cups for years, and all of a sudden, a, a good looking younger lady walks by, and he's ready to to hop on that train, but. Uh, they should make a meme I, that looks like that. I wonder if there's a meme. That, oh yeah, that that's, is that's like, a good point. Yeah, where there's like one guy like looking at a woman, but then not really. Yeah. Um, but I will say, Daryl Sutter always sang the praises of Trevor Lewis and his versatility and what value that brought to the lineup. And uh, I think some people would scoff at that, but I think again we're seeing another example of that that he really can play anywhere up and down the lineup, and if not you know, make huge contributions, at least not look out of place. And I will say there is something about Adrian Kempe and just kind of his swagger and his demeanor that feels Kingsy and feels reminiscent of the guys on that 2012-2014 team. I mean, they call him Juice, for God's sakes, because <laughs> for no other reason than he just... I think it was uh, Sean Backman actually gave him that, that nickname. We did the show on the rain last year. And Sean Backman, who is one of the uh, more vocal guys in the Rain organization, uh, gave him the nickname Juice for no other reason than he just kind of has that swagger and that style that he deserves a nickname like Juice. <laughs> so uh, he feels very Kingsy in that way. <laughs> Ugh, what happened to the last guy with the nickname Juice? <laughs> oh, now I gotta edit that. Too out. soon. Jeez, too soon. <laughs> Why do you have to edit that out? It's a joke. Um. There was some talk when Adrian Kembe was brought up that uh, his game might be better suited to the NHL, that he might find more success. Some people scoffed at that because, you know, the goalies are better, the defenses are better. But I think adding Trevor Lewis to that line speaks a little bit to that notion of when you have a veteran like Trevor Lewis, who, you know, fine, he's not, you know, Andre Kopitar or Marion Gabrick as far as scoring ability. But you just see the difference of him on that line versus a player like uh, Brodzinski or Auger. No disrespect to the younger players, but maybe they don't know how the puck is going to bounce off a goalie's pads, or maybe they don't know, you know, how to win those those puck battles, keep the shift alive in the zone. And you know, with Trevor Lewis, you're seeing all of a sudden this new element open up for Kempe to um, I don't want to use the word exploit, but to use right to to play off of. Um, and with Camilleri on that line, you know, all of a sudden you have you know. If you were making an Xbox line, you've got a grinder, a playmaker, and a sniper all of a sudden, and all of your, you know, all of a sudden, you've got balance to this line, where previously you had, you know, I'm not sure they knew what the, the identity of that line was, other than it's three guys that don't play on any of the other lines. Does that I always picked the really skinny guys. I was always trying to <laughs> get people. Your Nintendo strategy. <laughs> no, and I, and I think, you know, I think it was a very Sutter-esque move to scratch Camilleri. And 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 kind of help motivate the the veteran. You know, it's it's interesting, um, and uh, and it seems to have motivated him. I mean, you know, Camilleri came back in the next game and uh, had two goals and, and looked really strong and looked strong against Columbus. And um, I, th I I think it's a good mix in that third line. You know, I think like a, a a scoring third line is something that this team has missed for for a long time because I just don't think that fit into Sutter's uh, gameplay. But, you know, again, with the loss of Jeff Carter, like this conversation started, you know, it remains to be seen what happens to those those second and third lines. Uh, I, I believe it was either Jim Fox or, or, or um, Alex Foss that started off the broadcast by saying, you know, 
most teams are, are lucky if they have a one uh, a line one center, but the Kings have been operating for the last couple of seasons with two first line centers. And so now this is the big challenge to them to, to see how these, these other players can, can step in. The, well, the, and there's, but as far as the Camilleri thing goes, I think there's something else to, to the, again, like another little differences between last year and this year, the last two years and this year that you, okay, you bring in Teddy Purcell last year for a, a, a you know, not very expensive contract and it's low risk, high reward possibly. And it just never works out this year for whatever reason, you know, the Camilleri thing, it's a little different because yeah, it's great. You're hoping he can help contribute offensively and he still has a little bit left there. But again, this is a much younger team with, or at least it has a couple of younger players who are in some roles now that, that may need to contribute. And a guy like having a guy like Camilleri, there's a little bit of leadership value. Whereas bringing in Teddy Purcell to that room last year, there weren't really a lot of guys that were Adrian Kempe, Johnny Brodzinski's, Curtis McDermott, those kind of guys who you would really say, oh, I'm glad I have Mike Camilleri, Teddy Purcell there to kind of, you know, help them along in the league as well. So there, there's that value this year that wasn't there last year as well. Yeah, it's funny, the the average age of the Kings, I looked it up at the beginning of the season, it obviously changes as the year goes on, but it, it didn't change that much from last year, because the roster, you know, they still have guys like Marion Gabrick, and obviously bringing Camilleri, he's in his mid-30s, but I, I I would be curious to know what the average age per minute played is, and, and right. I, I think you're right, Jack, and it would have, it would have dropped precipitously it would ha- it would have to yeah. i mean you look at how much kempe and, and mcdermott and those guys and and he but even like F- fanberg he's right. not that young but he's a rookie still well and Foley you know, so, is only 25 i think or 26 right I mean, yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's a younger team um one of the players is that a real stat is that a real stat age per minute played uh well, there I, is I age agree. Um, no, but I, I think that's a good point because, like you said, when you look at the roster, you look you if you include Marion Gabrick and, and guys like that who aren't actually playing right now, it's probably deceiving because on the ice, as far as roles, contribution, whatever, um, the Kings are looking to younger guys more than they have the last few years. Yeah, and and they would have had you know like maybe not last year, but two years ago they had Rob Scuderi for half a year. Um, yeah, but he didn't you know play nearly as much as, uh, as as a guy like Fanberg is. Um, they did add a veteran, however, Jack, I want to talk to you about uh, Brooks Like because I feel like you probably have had more exposure. Oh, wait, why are you, you got, the Royal has been tweeting about Brooks Like the last month. I think you need to start there. Well, well we're, we'll get to that in a second. But I just want to know, is his uh, is his relentless optimism and uh, and and stick to and all that, is that, is, does it come across when you're just with him in the room, or is it does he I haven't I haven't had any any chance to spend any time with right. Brooks like unfortunately. I, I I I he seems like an awesome dude. The, the team <laughs> likes him enough that they let him hang around for a while. But uh, but yeah, I mean it's cool. It's it's awesome that that it worked out that way because he seems uh, he seems to be liked among the team, and uh, it's good to see a guy like that who who uh, you know is had an NHL career and has has kind of fallen out of the league to have a chance here to contribute. All right, the half. Let's talk about Brooks Lake's social media presence. <laughs> so you've got a gorgeous man with a gorgeous wife mm-hmm. that has beautiful dogs. <laughs> what more can you I ask mean, for? 
I have to think he replaces Jeff Carter in every way and sense, except for the offense. So, like, what's the problem here? Moving on. <laughs> no, I think you know. I look. I think. I think again. If Brooks like wasn't so likable, I don't think we'd be having this conversation. He's he's like Jack referred to earlier in the show. He's one of those hardworking guys. Uh, there's a great story about how he was an after playoff game helped fix someone's tire who had broken oh, down right. on yeah. the side of the road. I think right. Um, yeah. So so you know he's he's one of those quote unquote character guys, and you know I think it's it's really this is this is an awful analogy but like i was uh i think it was um eighth grade i was gonna play my 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 ninth grade uh baseball coach had already told me i was going to be the starting catcher for the team the next year and i wasn't very good i know it's it's hard to believe but 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 i was the only person who i actually that's not true i could hit i couldn't throw and and i i asked my uh, local little league team like the all-star team if i could play with them during their little all-star bid to get to the, the little league world series like just just practice with them just to kind of have like again this is before there was like leagues where you could like play like year round and, and people took things seriously but i kind of hung around similar to how brooks like did and then eventually they put me in a game and i like played it in one of the games and so I kind of saw a similar parallel with Brooks like, I mean, not that he's predatory and was waiting for anyone to get injured, but I'm sure in the back of his mind, he knew like, well, if I, if I work hard enough with this team and I get associated with the way they play the game, if there is an injury and he did, he said a, a, a deadline of, you know, come December, he, he would have to reevaluate things. And so he got into a lineup and so it pays off. And, you know, a lot of times with these PTOs, you see somebody going into someone else's training camp and just using up, the time that could be used for another player to just to get onto another player's team. So it's nice that that he came in to, to the Kings lineup. And and to be honest, there was a couple shifts there late in the third where I was really impressed with him and he and they kept the puck in the zone and, and he he looked like a very solid fourth line center, which is all you really need for that position right now. I'm I'm really living in fear that if he starts contributing and, and starts playing well all the horrible horrible puns the royal half is going to be bombarding us with we so have already trademarked way. i like like we've already uh, trademarked that we have it as a button great. how'd you come up with that how long <laughs> well his last name rhymes his last name is like right you see so but if you just spelled l-i-k-e though that's the joke oh thank you okay so wait, who came up with that one for you? you never that was that, that was all me. That was not stolen from from one of you guys. <laughs> the rare, <laughs> rare Royal Half original. Uh, listen, listen. Why are we talking about this right now? We're just talking about the Kings. No, we're not. Now we're going to talk about uh, LA Kings Weekly. Uh, Jack, what do you have for us this week? Um, well, first I would like to hear the Royal Half uh, tell me what his favorite parts of the first two episodes were. Listen, I think that. <laughs> L.A. Kings Weekly, the China Games, is my favorite adaptation. Uh, that was actually an L.A. Kings Insider. Can you get our oh, branding correct, please? Sorry, L.A. Kings Insider, the China Games, is my favorite uh, young adult novel that's being made into a trilogy, I think. <laughs> um, all right, so this week's uh, L.A. I, Kings I liked Weekly. it when they went to China. That, that drone footage of the wall was pretty awesome. It was oh, pretty I sweet, right? Yeah, it was pretty sweet, I know. Uh, Patrick O'Neill was a regular Anthony Bourdain over there. It was pretty impressive. Um, so, well, in this week's show, I, a lot of you guys, you guys obviously heard about the LA Kings emergency goalie tryouts, uh, uh, earlier this season. Um, the, well, we, uh, 
King's Vision or the LA Kings Productions, they had uh, they followed uh, Derek Armstrong through the day, and uh, I, he was one of the guys running the tryouts. And we also had Carlin Bay there for one of our Fox Sports Extra Points, uh, talking to some of the hopefuls uh, who are trying to get a spot as the Kings uh, emergency goalie. Uh, we are also going to premiere our new segment called Him Versus Me, where we'll be taking two Kings players and we will be asking them a series of questions and they can debate uh, the choices. Uh, this week, we're starting with Tyler Foley and Drew Doughty, who are going to give you their opinions on whether they prefer beer and tacos or steak and wine for dinner and other various uh, important topics like that. And uh, we are also going to look a little deeper at Samson Lee, who's the video coordinator on the team. If you watch the LA Kings Insider China Games, uh, the Royal Half, I'm looking at you. You'll uh, you probably heard a little bit of Samson's story. He's uh, the video coordinator for the team. He's Taiwanese or of Taiwanese descent, grew up in Vancouver. Parents uh, got him enrolled in Chinese classes at a young age, so he grew up around hockey in Vancouver and and uh, speaking Chinese fluently. So obviously the trip to China was both special for him and his family. And uh, we'll talk about that and, and exactly how the trip went, trip went for them. So that's uh, all in this week's show. That's all in 20 minutes? 22 minutes exactly of content time. That's a solid 22 minutes. And that airs yeah. uh, following the, that's 10 p.m. Thursday night? Uh, well, this week we have a game on Thursday night. The, the last two weeks since there was no game on Thursday night, it was 10 p.m. When we have a game, it'll air after the Kings post-game show since they're on the East Coast there. That's a 4.30 puck drop. Game would go to 7. So you're looking about 7.30 there, Jesse. Perfect. So as soon as Jeopardy's yeah. over, you just switch over and catch LA Kings week. There you go. <laughs> Screw Wheel of Fortune. That's right. That's look. The Wheel of Fortunes, that's the one that the dumb people watch anyway, right? Jack, that's, like, that's been my, on Jeopardy. That has been my mantra as long as I can remember. Here, here, look, here's how you know Wheel of Fortune is for is is a lesser game. Is that if the people who lose get to take money home still. It's like the <laughs> consolation prize. It's like the, the trophy for everybody culture. That's what's wrong with America. Wheel of Fortune is what's wrong with the kids these days. Jack, of all the things we've disagreed on over the years, I never thought we would bond over. Why do the losers get to take money <laughs> home? You're 100% right. You get no argument out of me. The Wheel of Fortune is by far the inferior show. So there. There you go. Kings East Coast game. Watch Kings Weekly instead of Wheel of Fortune. There's the lesson for today. <laughs> Amen. I, I'm, more of a, I'm more of a classic concentration fan myself. but <laughs> Wow. That was quite a reference. <laughs> uh, well, I want to thank you, gentlemen, for joining me today. Uh, Jack, thanks for joining me. Yeah, well, we have to start uh, get started on our pie rankings for this year. Thanksgiving's coming up fast and furious. Oh, don't worry, I've got a I've got a spreadsheet <laughs> all set up. The half, thanks for joining me. Uh, always a pleasure, and uh, uh, looking forward to hearing the constant banging in the background of your <laughs> of your set. I can edit. <laughs> so uh, for Jack A. Wilson and the Royal Half, my name is Jesse Cohen. Thanks for listening, Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon. 